Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, sponsored by Zealous. I'm Alexandra Pecci, Revenue Cycle Editor for Health Leaders. Joining me today is Matthew Albright, Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous, who has 15 years of regulatory, political, and public affairs experience. We'll be talking today about what payers need to know about the No Surprises Act requirements, including the new Frequently Asked Questions document that CMS released on August 20th. Prior to joining Zealous, Matthew oversaw the certification program at the Center for Affordable Quality Healthcare and served on its Committee on Operating Rules for Information Exchange to ensure conformance with the requirements of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. He served as Director of the Administrative Simplification Group for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, where he was responsible for drafting the regulations that implemented Section 1104 of the Affordable Care Act. He also says that his greatest achievement is earning a place in the Guinness Book of World Records for the world's longest softball game. Matthew, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it and appreciate health leaders having me on. I'm looking forward to having this discussion today. To start off, what are some of the new transparency requirements of the No Surprises Act? And can you tell us more specifically about advanced EOB requirements? Yes, absolutely, Alex. So if you think about the No Surprises Act, you might think about it as an iceberg, right? And what we say about an iceberg is you, you the part you see is not maybe the important part of the stuff you have to watch out for. And I think that's true of the No Surprises Act because the part you see is the balance billing prohibition. And so this is, you know, the name of the title of the act is No Surprises Act, and it talks about the surprise balance billing. Certainly this is a great thing for patients and for members of health plans because they will no longer be uh, balance billed with this act. Uh, And this is what the politicians talk about, and this is what you're hearing about in the trades. So that's one part of the act, and that deals with, you know, almost a very small slice of -of out-of-network claims. Most people usually go in in network, uh, in network providers that their health plan has. And this deals with out of network uh, claims, which again, according to you know the title, are surprises. Like you didn't choose to go to an out of network facility because it was an emergency, or you're going under going to a procedure and some out of network physicians treated you, an anesthesiologist, or your labs were sent to an out of network lab and you didn't choose to use those out of network services. And so that's the surprise balance billing part of it. That's the top of the iceberg. Underneath is, is the transparency requirements. There's actually quite a few of these transparency requirements. And again, they're kind of hidden. They're not getting talked a lot about, but they're almost more of a lift for certainly the payers out there. And also I'd say for a broad swath of providers, hospitals and facilities. So just to drill down, four basic transparency requirements. And by transparency, we mean what the law means and what all this kind of whole transparency initiative means is price transparency, being transparent about what things cost, what healthcare services and items cost. So there's four of them. One is a price transparency tool that all payers have to have on their websites, a public price transparency tool where members can go look up a provider or look up an item and service and get a good sense of how much it might cost. The other, uh, the other requirement is provider directory requirements. And this is you know, the directories where you go and look up to see if your health plan has a certain provider in their network. And uh, these directory requirements in the No Surprises Act uh, require that these directories be verified, to be accurate, and to be updated very quickly if they're not accurate. 
Um, the other requirement is something called the Advanced Explanation of Benefits, and I'll talk about that in a second. And then the fourth is actually a rule that came before the No Surprises Act, but we often throw it into the mix because it is a transparency requirement. And that is basically this big data dump that all payers have to do, where they have to list all of their prices, all of their cost, all they expect, all what they expect to pay for certain items and services on a provider by provider basis. So uh, huge spreadsheets uh, that are expected to be dumped, they're called machine readable files. Uh, and this is, you know, the, the payers explaining what everything costs. So now let's go back to the advanced explanation of benefits. Advanced explanation of benefits. Um, so let's say you're, you know, watching television, you see, you see a commercial for a car, the car commercial says that the car is $36,000. Well, you know, you see the commercial, you get a basic idea, there's the baseline of how much it's gonna cost, but what you probably wanna do before you, you know, drive to your nearest dealership is call a few of the dealerships and first, you know, see if they have that car on the lot and also how much that particular car on the lot costs. If you call three or four of them, you probably find that none of them actually cost $36,000. They're all added, you know, leather seats, or they got good seat, oh, CD players. I'm sorry, that's dating me. They've got good uh, musical systems, right? And uh, and so they're thirty-eight or forty thousand dollars. And what you're doing is you're getting advanced estimate, right? Before you even go to the dealership, you're getting an advanced estimate of how much actually that service costs, how much that car costs. And this is what the advanced explanation of benefits would be for members, for patients, for consumers. They would have the ability, basically, to pick up the phone, call a facility or a hospital and say, hey, I need to get this procedure and ask for that hospital to send to your health plan an estimate of how much it's going to cost. Now, according to the No Surprises Act, this advanced explanation of benefits has to be generated if requested, if you get a phone call, if a provider gets a phone call and they're, and they're asked what the price is, and also every time a procedure or service is scheduled. So that means, you know, every time you're scheduling an x-ray or an MRI, but also when you schedule your annual physical. Uh, so every time uh, an item or service is, is uh, scheduled, the provider has to send a good faith estimate of how much that item or service is going to cost to the health plan. And then the health plan is supposed to send it back to you, to the consumer, with your cost sharing included. So what you're going to see is this is how much the provider says it's going to cost. This is how much the insurance is going to pay for it. And then you'll get an estimate of how much it's going to cost you to pay for it, depending on your deductible and your cost sharing and your benefits. And if you, if you think about it, Alex, this is kind of, you know, if it works, this is kind of revolutionary in terms of how we think about healthcare. And it's going to change a lot of things in terms of how things are priced and how hospitals do their billing. And it's really meant to put the consumer in charge of which, which provider they want to choose based, you know, like we see with any other industry. If you're choosing cars, you're choosing hotels, you're choosing airlines. The idea is to give a transparent insight into how much things can cost so the consumer can make better decisions. Now, I know those good faith estimates were addressed in the new FAQ document that came out on August 20th. Can you tell us a little bit more about that document before we move on to talk about what payers can do to prepare for the No Surprises Act? Yes, absolutely. So thankfully, those FAQs that CMS released on August 20th, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, um, said that with regard to the advanced explanation of benefits, 
they're not going to require anything uh, on January 1st, basically. They're not going to require compliance with that advanced explanation of benefits, with the necessity for providers to send a good faith estimate and for health plans to send that advanced explanation with all the cost sharing to the member. None of that is due January 1st. Now, CMS said that they promised that um, they're going to work with the industry to figure out how all of these transactions uh, would take place. You know, if you think about it, providers, hospitals, they usually take a couple weeks, uh, maybe a couple months to generate those bills, especially if you're going for a complex procedure. And here, uh, the No Surprises Act is asking for a one-day turnaround or a three-day turnaround, depending on other uh, uh, circumstances. So really a heavy lift for hospitals, really a heavy lift uh, to figure out how that information gets taken in by health plans. Uh, and so CMS was recognized that and said they're going to work with industry. They're going to think through how those jumps, how the transaction of those data work, probably going to adopt standards for them, like we've seen standards adopted for electronic claims and uh, for electronic remittance advice and, and payments. And um, also to give the providers time to figure out how they're going to change their billing, because it's really going to change the way they do uh, billing, you know, sometimes the different physicians in a facility will bill separately to a, to the same patient or to the insurance. So they're going to have to figure out how all that works together. Those FAQs have said, okay, you all don't have to think about that um, now. And again, if we get back to that idea of the iceberg, you can think about the FAQs really addressing or in, in implying addressing the compliance dates of, of those two parts, the No Surprises Act, the prohibition on balance billing and all of these transparency requirements. And in general, what those FAQ said is, these transparency requirements we realize are gonna be a big load. They're the bottom of the iceberg. And so we're gonna give uh, health plans more time and providers more time to implement them. So indeed, the machine readable files that I talked about, the big data dump, those are the compliant data. Those are pushed to July, so a six-month delay on those. The provider directory requirements, there's an expectation that there's a good faith try that those directory requirements get pulled together by January 1st, but regulations will probably not be published until after January 1st. And so although a good faith try at complying means that, you know, maybe health plans shouldn't be sinking a lot of money into how they verify the directories just yet without knowing how uh, CMS or the government wants that done. And the other part is the price transparency tool, which was supposed to be put up. This is the consumer facing tool on the payer's website that was supposed to be up by January 1st, and they pushed that back to January 1st of 2023. Um, so that's all kind of a, a sigh of relief for health plans in terms of the transparency requirements. However, because the transparency requirements are still a great lift, certainly payers have to start now still to meet uh, those somewhat delayed transparency requirements. And then when it comes to those surprise balance billing elements, and really the payer's role in the surprise balance billing requirements are to make sure that after the, the patient has been protected from the balance billing, the payer still has to reimburse the provider, the hospital. And so they have to think about pricing and then they have to allow the provider to raise their hand and say, hey, I don't like that price. And they have to allow the provider to negotiate a different price. Also allow the provider to raise their hand and say, hey, I still don't like how this negotiation is going. Let's go to arbitration. Lots of deadlines you have to meet. Um, so although health plans don't have a large lift 
with the balanced billing part. It's really on the, on the side of the providers and the hospitals that have to figure that stuff out. They do have to solve certain deadlines in terms of reimbursing the provider and meeting the provider's needs in terms of uh, negotiations. So FAQs means absolutely January 1st, we have to have those deadlines in place for reimbursing providers for those out-of-network claims with, that are surprise balance bills. Transparency, we can maybe take a little breath. With all of that in mind, what is the best way for payers to organize and implement requirements for the No Surprises Act now? So I do think, you know, let's keep in mind the iceberg again. Let's think about those as two different categories of requirements. For the transparency requirements, there's a number of things that payers need to think about, but mostly it's about the data. So they have to think about what data they have that they need to then put out in terms of these price comparison tools or the machine readable files or even this advanced explanation of benefits, even though uh, they're not expected to act on it yet. So they need to start thinking about data with the transparency requirements. With the surprise balance billing prohibition and the surprise balance billing issues, they need to kind of shift and think of something different, right? They have to think about how do they now price those um, claims that uh, from out of network providers that fit into these categories of surprise balance billing. Do they have the mechanisms internally or have they found a vendor who can meet those deadlines and make sure that if a provider doesn't like what they've been reimbursed, that they have an opportunity to negotiate and perhaps an, uh, an opportunity to arbitrate. They have to um, figure out if they have a support group, um, a support system, some more processes to support their uh, reimbursement if it goes to uh, government arbitration. Um, so it's like two different things you have to think about. Certainly the surprise balance billing element is more process oriented. I think many health plans are looking to groups like Zealous and other vendors who right now also uh, manage their out-of-network claims, price those claims, negotiate with uh, providers. The one thing that, well, it's a big complication actually uh, for the surprise balance billing reimbursement is if you are a health plan and you've got both fully insured plans and self-insured plans, or if you just got fully insured plans, you may have to negotiate whether uh, or figure out whether or ask your vendor to make sure they are figuring this out when the state law applies and when the No Surprises Act, the federal law applies. And it gets a little squishy there because about 32 states have surprise balance billing uh, protections already in place and already tells the plan how they need to reimburse. Other states and some self-insured, many self-insured, don't have to follow the state laws. So it gets very complicated in how a claim is routed and what kind of deadlines you may have to meet, whether you follow the state law or whether you follow the federal law. So um, I think those are kind of things they have to think about. No Surprises Act, the surprise balance billing element is really about process and making sure those procedures and making sure your, your reimbursement is supportable while the transparency stuff is all about the data. What are the main obstacles payers will face when working towards these requirements? Great question, there's many. So if we think about the transparency requirements, um, it's all about the data, but many health plans, uh, especially smaller health plans, TPAs, no longer hold a lot of this data internally. They've contracted out, they've got vendors who do their pricing or who do their claims. Um, they've got uh, networks that they've rented from uh, carriers or from other organizations that lease networks. And so 
the data may be hard to find and you definitely as a health plan you've got to start working with your partners working with your vendors to see what data they have how they're going to share that data where that data is going to be aggregated again kind of having that data in one place is the baseline for fulfilling uh, many of these transparency requirements uh, the machine readable file is going to pull from that data the post the price comparison tool is going to pull from that data and the advanced explanation of benefits is probably going to pull from that data. So really that's the big lift and it can be a very big lift for health plans in that area. Provider directories, the same kind of idea. Uh, many smaller plans lease their directories and so they're dependent on vendors to make sure that verification is done. And many self-insured have not had, have not been required. This is 60% of the health plans out there, right? Have not been required to conduct these uh, directory verification processes and making sure that their uh, directories are accurate. So that's gonna be a whole new thing for a whole group of health plans. And again, on the No Surprises Act, I think in, in the surprise balance billing realm and how to manage those surprise balance bills and those out of network claims, I think the, the two things probably, one is to really um, be able to figure out how to route those claims to make sure that, that they are uh, one of these No Surprises Act claims that falls into this bucket where, where balance billing is prohibited. Uh, and that has some complications of its own, especially if, it, like I said, if you have state laws that are involved, which may be much different in terms of timelines uh, and how things need to go compared to the No Surprises Act there. So I think the first element there is just to comply and make sure the providers are given the opportunity to look at their reimbursement, to argue about it, to negotiate it, to settle. And the second thing there is, I think one of the obstacles is really how to think strategically about pricing and settling with those out-of-network providers in those um, No Surprises Act situations. Again, I think many plans are kind of looking to vendors uh, like Zealous to do that, and, and they really need a vendor who thinks strategically about, well, um, if I price this out-of-network claim here and I pay reimburse the provider here, do I think that I can um, justify it in a negotiation? Can I defend it uh, if it ever gets in front of a government arbitrator as an appropriate price? So number of obstacles, certainly data with the transparency uh, requirements, and then it's all, again, process with surprise balance billing claims. How can Zealous help payers address these new requirements and overcome these obstacles? Good. So, um, you know, Zealous itself and other vendors have these pricing mechanisms um, in place. And many vendors like Zealous also have the opportunity for um, providers to come back and argue or negotiate a different price. I do think what makes Zealous different is Zealous has kind of been working in this surprise balance billing wheelhouse the last four or five years at least, when we saw that states were starting to pass these laws. And so um, Zealous is pretty used to this process that you go through that is replicated in states like California and New York and New Jersey, uh, where you reimburse the, um, the provider and then you allow for a time when the provider can negotiate a different price or come back and ask for a different price. We've had a four or five years of already thinking through how to uh, work with claims just like this and, and think through how to get appropriate uh, pricing. Um, as well, again, as a vendor, Zealous is also thinking strategically about pricing. Certainly, we're going to see things changing 
with these transparency uh, requirements because all of these prices are going to be out in the open now. We're going to know exactly how much a provider is paid for out-of-network claims, how much they're paid for in-network claims, uh, and any uh, health plan needs to think about or you know, use a vendor like Zealous to think about um, how to use all that data to really think strategically about what appropriate pricing looks like what a defensible reimbursement looks like in front of a government arbitrator. So there's gonna be a lot of information out there, a lot of data for um, health plans to think strategically. On the transparency side, uh, again, Zealous does hold a lot of data. We provide provider directories for many of our clients. We do payments for our clients. We manage a lot of their out and never claims. So we have a lot of the data that is necessary to implement these transparency requirements. Really, the health plans uh, do need to start thinking about who their partners are, if their partner is zealous in this, if they've got other vendors, then they need to sit down with those vendors, they need to sit down with um, zealous and say, okay, well, now how are you going to get that data to us, or is the data going to stay with zealous? Uh, zealous is there certainly to walk hand in hand with our clients to help figure out those transparency requirements and those data requirements. And finally, I have to ask, how long was the world's longest softball game? And what position did you play? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was about, it was a hundred, I think it was 104 hours at the end of the day. So wow. four, four That's at days. the end of three days. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it was at the end of three days, at the end of four days. And it really was something uh, incredible. You know, it was one of those things that started off as a lark. I mean, we did everything right. We called Guinness and we got like all the officials there that need to be there. And, you know, we, we did, we crossed all the T's. But, you know, the first day we thought this would just be, you know, fun and game. But the fourth day, you know, we were hallucinating. We didn't know <laughs> who it was up. We had to be taught how to play softball. So if you ask me what position did I play, I have no idea at this point. It's all a blur. Uh, but I think I probably played every position at the beginning for at least the first day. So uh, and then they just put us in the best position where they thought we wouldn't um, fall asleep at the at the wheelhouse. So, um no, it was quite quite an experience, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll take that one to my grave. Is is probably the silliest thing I've ever done, but also I'm very proud of it. Well, I like the idea of you hallucinating, like you know, Shoeless Joe is going to come out of the outfield and help you guys win. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. And you had people running around the bases backwards, and you had people really. You had to be taught. We had to be taught how to play softball after a while. Like they point to the ball and say, "You have to hit that," and then you run over here. Matthew, thank you so much for talking with me today. This was really great. Well, thank you, Alex. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you once again to Zealous for sponsoring this episode. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. Until next time, keep taking care of patients and each other.